5, 14 through 30, and there is a breeze, so it's very nice out. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with ten talents. For to, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you for reading that scripture. Good morning, my name is Alan Scheifler, and along with my wife Debbie, we have been members of Brexville United Methodist Church since about 1984. And our two daughters were uh, baptized right here in the sanctuary. They grew up here in the church. And my oldest daughter was in fact married in this beautiful sanctuary right here. Um, many of our, our most dear friends are part of the Brexville United Methodist Church family, and we're so thankful for that and the many blessings it's brought, brought to us. This morning's lesson is about the parable of the talents. Jesus taught us through telling stories, the parables, and this is a special one to understand. Unfortunately, many people focus on the third servant and what happened to that third servant. And I understand because that third servant got really harsh treatment as a result of what the, th the servant didn't do. Um, the money was taken away from that servant. That servant was banished from the household and went on to a life of, of, of problems and gnashing of teeth. But if we focus on that third servant, we're missing the underlying truth that Jesus is trying to share with all of us. You see, a talent was about 15 to 20 times the amount of wages that a person would earn in an entire year. So the money that was turned over to these three servants, the talents, or bags of gold, if you will, those, those talents was, was more money than these servants have probably ever seen in their entire life. And the master knew that. The master knew the personalities of these three and gave each according to his ability. Likely, the master knew exactly what that third servant was going to do or not do with that money. 
And that third servant did not disappoint. That third servant was frozen by fear. Fear of the master, fear of the future, fear of screwing up, fear of scarcity, maybe fearing of himself that he might not trust himself to, to not just run away with the money. So he just buried the money. He didn't even do, as the master pointed out, didn't even do the minimum amount of giving the money to the bankers and earn some interest and then return the money and the interest to the, to the master. The master was upset. And what was the third uh, servant's response? He blamed the master for the problem. No wonder he was banished from the household. But Jesus focuses on, focuses on those first two servants, the good and faithful servants. So what relevance does this story have to us 2,000 years later? Is this just a story about a, a landowner or a boss or maybe even a, a king over, over an area 2,000 years ago? What if instead the master is God here, now, and today? And what if you and I are the servants in this parable? What does that say about our relationship to God? Ooh, did anybody feel a little chill down their spine? Think about, for yourself, about yourself for a moment. Which of these servants do you identify with? Are you living in fear in 2020? There's so much to fear, isn't there? Are you like that third servant? Are you fearing the future? Are you fearing for potential loss of your job? If you've already lost your job, are you fearing you're not going to find another job? Are you fearing you might lose your house, your car? Are you hoarding your money because you're just not sure what's going to happen? Are you, are you in fear of the economy? Are you in fear of the uncertainty? 2020 is a scary year. Or this. Are you living like the first two servants? Are you trusting God that God will provide if you take care of the gifts he's given you? That's the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us. Times were tough back then. They're tough right now. That's no different. Jesus gave us the example in this parable. Jesus is trying to teach us a greater truth. And that's the real neat thing that you need to understand about this parable. Jesus is telling us that everything we have, everything we possess, everything we own is not really ours. It's a gift from God. Our house, our job, our money, everything we have as a, as, as, a, as a personal property, it's all a gift from God. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our experiences, our ability to, to function in society, it's a gift from God. Our families, our history, our present, and our future, it's all a gift from God. And when he points to these two parable, in this parable, to these two first servants, he, he, he points out that it's a celebration of what they did. They were the good and faithful servant. And in this parable, Jesus teaches us two special promises that God makes. First, if you are faithful in, in the little that you have as a, as a gift, and you grow it, and you earn it, and you, and you expand it, and you return it to God, you will receive even more in return. And secondly, the special promise, the promise that by doing so, by being a good and faithful servant, you will be joining God in the presence of God, the joy of God, the company of God in the kingdom, whether it's during life or, or in the afterlife. 
That's the invitation here, and that's the great lesson, the underlying truth. So what does John Wesley have to say about money? Well, turns out a lot. John and Charles Wesley are the founders of what has now become the United Methodist Church. And back in the 1700s, Charles Wesley was writing many hymns that are now filling our hymnal. And John John Wesley was a great theologian. Think about what he said about money. To John Wesley, stewardship, in other words, giving money to the church, stewardship was at the very heart of the Wesleyan revival. He considered it an integral part of being a Christian disciple. To Wesley, giving of our financial resources was a necessary response to God's commandment to love God and love your neighbor. Giving to the church was an expression of that love. Now, John Wesley gave a a sermon called The Use of Money. It was a very practical sermon, and and in that sermon he gave three rules that most of us um, embody as part of who we are as as, as the Methodist Church. Rule number one, and you need to understand you hear all three rules because you can't take one in isolation. Take them together and understand them. Rule number one, earn as much as you can earn as much as you can. It was a challenge by John to participate in God's healing and creative work by using God's gifts that he's already given you and me to earn as much as we can on the way to eternity. But he also said this. He warned, do so ethically. Do not hurt others. In fact, do no harm as you're earning as much as you can. So rule number one, earn as much as you can and do no harm. Rule number two, save as much as you can. This was not an endorsement of gluttony or or hoarding. In fact, it was an invitation to a simplified life without all the extravagances that can distract us. Because if you live a simplified life, you can in fact save even more. So we have rule number one, earn all you can. We have rule number two, save all you can, which leads us directly to the rule that gives it all meaning. Rule number three, Give as much as you can. In other words, give all you can back to God. It's a means of giving ourselves through giving to the church and our stewardship, giving ourselves back to God. Just as God gave us the ultimate gift in the life of Jesus Christ who, was, uh, who died on the cross for our sins and for our redemption, we too can give back to God a part of ourselves by making gifts to the church. Now, Many of us know John Wesley's rule. It's part of who we are as Methodists and something that has guided us throughout. And I have this little refrigerator magnet that um, has Wesley's rule on it, and it actually sits right next to our computer where I do our monthly budget and pay our bills so that I'm always focusing on what's really important. And John Wesley's rule says this. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Beautiful words. So many of you know, and I'm I'm very proud to say that both my father and my grandfather were United Methodist pastors. And so I grew up in a household where we lived Wesley's rules. It was just part of who we were, it's part of who we are now, and it's part of who we will always be.
And my parents set a tremendous example because they tithed at all times. What's a tithe? It's an Old Testament teaching where we are to give the first 10% of our earnings to the church. And so they set that example. But it was actually my grandfather on my, on my mom's side, my grandfather Hall, um, who was a hard-driving business owner. And he gave meaning to these rules in words that I will never, ever forget. He was driving us in his car one day, and, and he turned, we somehow turned to the topic of giving to the church, and he said this, Alan, when I give to the church, I receive even more in return. And the more I give to church, the more I receive in return. Shocking. I would have expected to hear that from my dad or my grandfather, who was the pastor, but not the businessman grandfather. So Debbie and I have, from the very beginning, pledged to this church and given regularly, and gradually we built that up to a tithe, a full 10% of our earnings. And while it was hard to do at times, um, we've made it, and it's really important to who we are in our, in our lifetime and our relationship with God. And my grandpa was right. Debbie and I received tremendous uh, joy by giving to the church. Um, we, and we have received far more in return, far more many blessings. Our life is truly blessed as a result of how we have interacted with all of you here in our church and how we have given and pledged to the church. And we find that the more we give, the more blessings we, we receive. When we give to the church, we know something that's really, really important, and that's this. We are part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. By giving to the church, we are giving back to God. And by doing that, we are helping to expand the kingdom of God through the ministries and missions and programs of this church. We are supporting our fantastic church staff here, and we are helping to expand those missions and ministries that have become very creative here during the pandemic. Most importantly of all, we're helping to support, make disciples, of Jesus Christ. That's why it's meaningful and important to us. If by chance you think that during the COVID pandemic our ministries and, minist and programs have shut down, I'm here to tell you that isn't the case. Because of the tremendous uh, technology we have here, we are now expanding the people we reach on a daily basis. We now have people from our immediate community who are participating in our services and our programs and our Bible ministries that never participated before. We are reaching out to people throughout Northeast Ohio who regularly participate as a part of watching our services and participating in our, pro in our programs. We even have people in other states and other countries who are now participating in our church. COVID changed the way we do things. COVID and our creative, our creative responses have expanded the way this church has responded to God's call to make disciples of, of all of us. How do I know how, to, how, how much we've expanded and how creative that is? Look on our website. Click on the bit button right on the front of our website and click on the fall kickoff video and find out the creative ways our church is responding to this pandemic to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and the comfort and love that so many people need to hear right now during 2020. So we're about to kick off at, in our church the stewardship campaign. And um, 
we do that every year and this year and in this crazy 2020 and especially because of this crazy 2020 Debbie and I are increasing our pledge again yes above a tithe and we invite you to pray about your pledge in the coming weeks um, and we urge you to submit a pledge because that enables our church to have an idea of how much money they will have to expand and further be creative with the ways that we spread our mission, our ministries, our programs to teach the good word of Jesus Christ. And we invite you, express your love of God by returning to God his property through your pledge. Express your trust in God. We invite you to increase your pledge. Express your trust in God. We invite you to join us in making a tithe back to God. This is a special time of our church, and we ask you to return to God some of his property to support our church family, to support our new programs and creative ministries and, 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 and um, missions, to support our church staff as they go about helping us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, support God's kingdom here on earth by being a good and faithful servant. And in the words of John Wesley, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Blessings to all of you. During this next song, please take a moment and you can share your joys and your concerns in the comments. Know that anything that is shared, it is on the internet. So please only include a first name and know that God knows the rest. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, please, um, you can go on our website and there's a prayer um, request button there and you can press on that and send us prayer concerns or also email us and we will add all of these prayers to our prayer list during the week and be praying with you and for you. And also, since this is a pre-recorded service, Jenny will be on Facebook Live at the end of the service directly following, and you can join her there and you can pray with her for anything that is in the comments that we receive. So let us go to our Lord in prayer.
Lord, we come to you in prayer. As we watch the world floundering and the continuing threat of this virus and all of the political unrest we are enduring, so many of our brothers and sisters are in need of employment, food, clothing, and a place to sleep. You have blessed us with many talents and the financial ability to survive. Thank you for the necessities we have for our day-to-day living. Forgive us, Lord, when we turn away from so many suffering in this world. We are praying that you will open our eyes so we can see and help all those hurting, lonely, and hungry. Guide us to do the work you have placed before us. Help us to use the talents you have given us and gladly share our abundance with others and with those who can make a difference in this wounded world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We are your servants. Lead us to where you need us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name as we pray the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go Go in in peace and and not in pieces.